colors to America's colors. The colors are never run. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Oh, those words are so true by Jack Burton. Big trouble in Little China. This is Tim. This is New York Giants. Great talk. Powered by Online Big Blue LLC. Want to talk about the Brian Dable Rager. Want to talk about changes that may potentially be coming over to the New York football Giants. Um, Michael Kay yesterday reported that uh, Brian Dable was having a rager. Having a rooftop rager. And that's probably one of the reasons why the Giants got smoked by the Cowboys on Sunday. That him and the team were partying like it was 2000 or 1999. Partying like rock stars. They were doing they were doing everything that you could possibly do. Grab a brew. Don't cost nothing. Oh, that's right, Pluto. The brew don't cost nothing. But the only problem was the story wasn't true. Turned out he had a party for a six-year-old. And then you see giant Twitter explode. <laughs> it was it, I, I, I laughed because I heard the story, and then I saw Twitter do. I said, oh, Lord, Twitter just lost its mind. And then it comes out today that wasn't true. That it was a party for his six-year-old. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's funny. I, I usually, I don't, I don't make reaction videos when things happen, probably till like 24 hours after. Only because of the fact that the majority of the time, the stories turn out to be false. And, um, and this is just one of those times again. And Michael K actually came out and apologized. So it's to me it's a it's a it's a non-issue and and honestly, you know it would have if it was true yeah it would have been bad optics, but it's it's the night before and I, I think in anyone that you know has probably been around Dable and anyone you hear the stories about Dable he's very dedicated to his craft and his profession this isn't a boat trip issue, it, it, it was miscommunication it was misinformation, and again you know social media. Just went nuts. I wasn't going to do a video today, but we had a birthday request on Sunday's live stream, and I'm probably going to butcher the name, but I'm just good at that. I have Strider High R Y U one twenty, and again, it's his birthday. It's nine. His birthday is on nine thirteen, which is today. And again, that Strider High R U one twenty. And you know, I, I, I just happy birthday, man. Hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. Hope you're having yourself a good day. Happy birthday to you. I know how high I am. Not very high because you know what? It's the morning. But have yourself a good day, my friend. Have yourself a happy birthday. This video, this video and this shout out is 100% for you. So Dable was talking about changes maybe coming down the pike. Changes could be happening and change is a good thing. Change is a thing that you, you have to... Um, you know, you have to look at. But the qu- the question is, though, like this, here's the biggest question of all. How much change do you really want to make? It was one game. Yes, it was horrific. It was a blowout. It was it was just so wrong. But, how, I mean, how much change can you actually make right now? And how much change should you actually look forward to? Because you're probably going to focus on the offensive line. Even though, honestly, if we want to be perfectly honest, the receiving, uh, not excuse me, the uh, defensive backs have some issues. Uh, the middle of the interior line still has some issues. Linebackers still have some issues. But the offensive line is definitely definitely the culprit. Do you take out the Glowinski? Do you, do you go in with the Joshua tree? Do you make wholesale changes to the right side of the line? There's always been talk about shifting Evan Neal to guard. 
everyone talks about the Eric Flowers experiment and moving him over to guard. Maybe it's time to move him over to guard. I'm not, I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet. I'm not. How many people hit the panic button on Andrew Thomas? Even going in early, and people forget, early in his second year, Andrew played better, but he still had issues. How many people hit the panic button and said, Makai Beckham is better? We got a bust on Andrew Thomas. And now Andrew Thomas is probably one of the best left tackles, if not the best left tackle in the entire NFL. I'm not saying Evan Neal's going to be the best right tackle in the NFL. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you cannot just give up on someone because of the fact that they did not play well against Dallas. Dallas has an excellent defense. I think I potentially I think and we have two championship type defenses in our own division in both Dallas and Philadelphia. So while the 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 line protection was poor at best, I I don't think making too many changes right now going into Arizona and a game you probably should win you're already four and a half point favorites the giants are going into arizona that you should automatically hit the panic button i mean i i just i don't see that yet only because there's a if, if you go two three games in a row where you are having these problems and the offensive line is still getting through you know run through rough shot then, you know, I think you then you hit the panic button. Then you take a look and you try to maybe make wholesale changes. You, you know, maybe get rid of you maybe get rid of Bobby Johnson, even though they came over with Dable and the Shane. But if you get if you start getting pushed around in Arizona, my professional opinion that now is the time to panic, then it would be time to panic. Shane and Dable, for one thing, they, they should be known for is their consistency. And staying the course. They have a plan. They have a thought process. And they, they just need to move forward with it. And just continuously move forward with it. Now a lot of people are sitting there going. Oh we, got, we have to go out and get an offensive line help. And immediately everyone's mindset goes to Justin Pugh. And I love it because people are like. Hey, we got to call Justin Pugh. Justin Pugh has been hurt for years. Justin Pugh had issues when he was with the Giants. He had multitudes of issues with Arizona. He wants to return. Yeah, of course he wants to. Of course he wants to return because he knows there's a need. But is he going to take a veteran minimum contract to come in and play for New York? I know he came out and said it's not about the money. But is he really going to do this? Is he really going to make that commitment to come back to New York? And is he really going to be that much of a help? And I love it because you have people posting all the stats. Well, Andrew Thomas had three pressures. Madison had two. Sean Schmitz had three. Glisky had nine. Ed Neal had eight. Yeah, because they were attacking that side of the line. So if you're going to give a statistic, make sure you put it in context. They're attacking that side of the line. That's why they have these enormous amount of pressures. And then I love it because did we did we did we slide over a tight end? You had you had the bulked up Bellinger. Did we put Bellinger out on the side next to Evan Neal for some extra protection? Keep someone in the backfield. That's what we should look at, too. And I talked about Dar- Dalton Risner, or Reisner. I can't remember his name. That's another one people are like, we got to go get Dalton. Kansas City doesn't want him back. <laughs> Not Kansas I'm sorry. Minnesota doesn't want him back. Denver doesn't want him back. <laughs> people are going to point out, he, t- he only gave up three sacks last year, which was tied for 24th amount of offensive linemen and 967 snaps. He earned a overall rating of 61.1 by professional football focus. 
He's only allowed 10 sacks in his entire professional career, but he's so good, he's still out on the free agent market week two. We talked about it yesterday. Another man's trash sometimes is just another man's trash. Uh, and and then you, you, I'm not even going to get into the other people that are out there that people are clamoring for because you you think these people are going to come in. A lot of these guys are going to be coming off the street and immediately going to come in and be able to start for the Giants and fix the offensive line problems. I've said this before. This is why content creators and, and, and other pundits aren't head coaches because of the fact that they are reactionary. Everything is a reaction. Everything is everything, and everything technically is an overreaction. You don't need to overreact for one week's loss. You go into week four or five and you still are having these similar issues. Then you, then you can overreact. But Dable's basically saying, yeah, some changes may be coming. And he basically came out and said, he didn't basically said, you can't run from it. You have to own it. And that's it. That's what that's that, that at the end of the day is what you have to do. If you're a New York giant fan. And you already got people saying that the offensive line is going to cost them the season. We don't know yet. It, 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 yeah. The, the giants bet on these guys. And I never really understood. And I talked about it all through training camp. You're putting a lot of faith in these guys, these offensive line guys, you got, you know, and I never, I never saw it. I couldn't figure it out. I, I, I had to hear all training camp long, how Lugowinski and Bredesen were their pros, pros, our professionals. And you got the Joshua tree backing them up and Matt from Connecticut, you know, and we got, we got, uh, you know, we got all these guys backing everybody up. It's just going to be great. And it just reminded me going back a couple years ago where we had all these offensive linemen and we didn't draft anyone because we felt everyone we had was going to be great. And it didn't work. It didn't work out. All I'm saying is this, though. Let these guys build some continuity. And this is why I talked about preseason being so important so many times. I I hate the fact that they took it down. I hate the fact that they took preseason down from five games to three games. They just took it down recently from four games. And I hate the fact that coaches don't play their, their starters for an extended period. I remember back in the 80s, I've talked about this. Week one of preseason. You would play your guys. Parcells would play his guys maybe like three series. Week two, he would play his guys maybe a quarter, quarter and a half. Week three, they would go in. They, his starters would go deep into the third quarter. And then week four, he would have garbage time. And then same with week five. Then, then you have garbage time. But they are allowing these guys to blame. I mean, to, they're allowing these guys to build continuity with each other. They're allowing this. One of the things I think we should be more, you know what? One of the things that we need to be more concerned about, I think, is the rigid inflexibility of our offensive game plan. You saw the overaggressiveness of the Dallas defense, but for some unknown reason, we didn't run the ball. I understand we got behind, but we didn't run. We stopped running the ball after that first two series. We stopped running the ball. Saquon Barkley was actually motoring a little bit. You stopped running the ball. You stopped. You, you, you tried to find a passing attack against an onslaught, and you are shocked that it didn't work. 
The issue is more of the fact that you needed to go to the run. Take advantage of the over-aggressiveness. You people could hate Jason Garrett and think he was a terrible offensive coordinator for the Giants, and, and you would be right in some regards. But one thing that he did with Daniel Jones was use his legs and speed to take advantage of over-aggressive defenses. Daniel, some of Daniel Jones's biggest runs came against like the likes of Washington, Philadelphia, and Dallas because they Garrett knew these teams were going to be over aggressive. So if they're over aggressive and you step up into the pocket, you have a huge running lane. You have a huge open running lane. But I think there should be more concerned about the rigid inflexibility of our offensive game plan. Now, if you talk to offensive coordinators, and I've heard this before, and I I I heard this in Tampa that sometimes head coaches and offensive coordinators, you have a script and your game plan is scripted out and they stick to that script. They, they are very, some, some offense coordinators are very, very wary about going away from their scripted plays and how they've scripted out the game. But the problem is when something is going so directly, directly wrong, like your offensive line is getting slaughtered, you have to think of ways. I, and the other thing I couldn't think of why didn't we go to a three-step drop for Daniel Jones? Do a little 49ers. Do a little early 80s 49ers with Joe Montana. West Coast. Quick three-step drop. Get the ball out fast. May only be a three, four-yard game, but you're softening the defense. And you hit him with the draw. Show a little create. And, and, and Kafka was, you know, remember, I, I love when people are like, well, Kafka's this genius. So he, he was going to get the job in Northwestern and this and that and this. And he's, he's the generation. People forget that a lot of people wanted to have Kafka stop calling the plays last year around week 11, 12. Because of the fact that his offensive game plan is sometimes so simplistic. The problem is I think we tried to create a passing game when we should be a run first team. You know you have weak, you have weak, let's be honest, our offensive line is weak in regards to protecting against the pass. So why would you call for plays that will go 10, 15, 20 yards down the field on a pass play instead of just going with sh- the short passing game, which you, which was your bread and butter last year, which took you to 9-7-1 in the playoffs? Why are you just, why was the game plan just so rigidly inflexible that you couldn't do, they couldn't do something this simple. And I don't get it. I really, that I really, that if you want to, if you want to talk about a quandary from Sunday, I think that's the, to me, that's one of the biggest quandaries. How do you not change your game plan? One of the things, especially about, you know, and if you watch, especially in the eighties and nineties and certain coaches, they make they're even going back to that. I shouldn't even say go back that far. There are certain coaches in this league that understand how to make halftime adjustments. I remember watching the Giants in the 80s and the 90s with, uh, with Belichick and Earhart, Ron Earhart, and things might not be going well, but they made halftime adjustments. I'd be curious if someone like Carl Banks, who's always on Twitter and always doing podcasts and stuff, if he could talk about the fact about what, how halftime adjustments were made back when he was playing because I'd be curious about that because I remember in college, you know, you bring out the, it wasn't back then. We didn't have a whiteboard back then. You get out on the old chalkboard and we would make it. They, we would make adjustments for things that were working, things that weren't working. 
and focus on the things that were working. Now, I understand when you're down by 25 going into halftime, you're probably not going to go to a run-oriented offense, but you need to run the ball more. You got to keep the other team honest. You can't just keep having them tee off. They're just pinning their ears back and flying at you. So I would be, cur- I would be curious to hear from someone else. Because like I said, I remember in Tampa, you know, halftime adjustments being made and things such as that. And kind of get when things didn't work, they went away from the game plan. Gruden and his coaching staff would go away from the game plan. So maybe if we make wholesale changes, maybe the, maybe the wholesale changes shouldn't just be on the offensive line. It should be on how this team is, is, is preparing their team and how they're making adjustments at the end of the game. Uh, we're going to do the big live stream, of course, on Sunday. Sunday, Giant at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with R0B. Um, will, will we do another live stream this week? Probably not. And I, I might not do a video tomorrow unless another birthday comes up. So, uh, you know what, guys? Let, let's just focus. Sunday should be the pendulum game. The pendulum should swing back the other way. Uh, you, you have to hope the Giants win like 28-17 and not like a 17 and 16 game that they, that they really put, make a statement game. And then we kind of move on from there. Let's not hit the panic button yet. And again, don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to ring that bell. If you want to know why. Let me also. Know.